have uh, a, f a favorite theme or, or thing that they look for in their show they want to share? Not with the group? Too scary? Too, too ashamed of the themes you like? Yeah, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. History, discovery, learning. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Any other ones? Any other ones anyone wants to share? All right. So for me, in reading scripture and learning about theology and meditating on God, redemption is the ultimate theme that traces through the whole of the story of Scripture. Redemption is what holds it all together. If we look at the ark from Genesis to Revelation, from garden to garden, from garden to new earth, we see this ark of creation to redemption. And so what I'm going to do is kind of talk about the word redemption and what it meant in the Old Testament, talk about what it meant in the New Testament, and then talk about how we've expanded on that in our own theological thought. Uh, the one danger I will admit in doing it in that regard is you might think, oh, like the Old Testament weighs bad and the New Testament weighs good or the newest weighs bad. All of these are an aspect of redemption. It's not necessarily a progression that we're heading on. It's not a line that we're understanding, uh, you know, redemption better. But we're taking all these pieces and forming something that I think forms our idea of redemption. So all of these are an aspect that is, in my, in my opinion, imperative to understanding uh, redemption. So in the Old Testament, there was this idea of redeeming someone. This is something that happened within the society. Uh, if you had an impoverished Israelite who was forced to sell his land for cash, he needed his near-redeemer to redeem it. And so a near-redeemer could be a brother, it could be uh, your wife's father, it could be your wife's brother, it was a male in that society. But if you lost your land, which was the uh, only way that you held uh, you know, societal standing in the Israelite uh, society, you needed someone to come and redeem it for you. Uh, this is also the case with indentured servants. If you lost your land even further and you were forced to be in service to another person, you would need a redeemer to redeem you. Uh, they'd have to pay your debt so that you could uh, be free. Or you would have to wait to what we would call the Jubilee year uh, in which those debts were forgiven, the land was given back or you were supposed to, we don't have evidence that the Israelites ever actually did that. Um, so the Redeemer, uh, it, in Hebrew it's Goel, uh, was always the nearest adult male relative, which was responsible for the economic well-being of his kin, uh, and they lacked sufficient means to redeem their own property. So if you had... You know, let's say uh, you were tending land and you had a bad year, you had a bad crop, you may have to sell your land uh, in order to make ends meet, in order to uh, pay off debts that you had, um, and in which case you could lose your land unless it was redeemed by the nearest male relative. So that same word is then what's used uh, in our relation with God. And so God uh, specifically prayed 
to God, or people, the Israelites specifically prayed to God concerning their redemptions. They needed redeeming both from their enemies, from the wicked, from the oppressors. They needed redeeming from death, redeeming from punishment of sins. So kind of in that same sociological uh, idea and then brought to a theological idea of God. The most famous and kind of the archetypal act of divine redemption is God uh, saving Israel from Egypt. That is them, God uh, redeeming, paying for, bringing them out of the bondage that they were in, into freedom. Uh, so God has led God's people uh, in the song of the sea, which is Miriam's song. After they cross to the Red Sea, it, she talks about how uh, the people are redeemed and the people are led to God's pasture. Um, so ultimately, the association of God's redemption was with rescue and mercy, uh, which then eventually kind of morphs into this individual hope that God will redeem one from punishment for the sin that they commit. There's this interesting interplay in the Old Testament of the role of repentance. And so in some of the prophets, uh, repentance is absolutely required for redemption. Uh, you have to repent in order to receive the redeeming aspect of God. Uh, and then in other, that's, that's, uh, that's in some prophets. And then uh, in prophets like Hosea, they talk, they talk about how the overwhelming love of God is so uh, infectious, so overwhelming that there it doesn't need to be uh, repentance because it doesn't even do anything. You can't resist the love of God. And then you have people like Amos who says, you've already screwed up, your repentance won't even mean anything. So, uh, you know, hopefully you skip Amos. Just kidding. There's some good stuff in there. Um, so that's kind of the Old Testament overview. Uh, moving on to the New Testament, redemption kind of carries two meanings. Uh, the first is it is the work of God who is delivering God's people from spiritual bondage unto himself. Uh, this is usually what we talk about uh, in Christ's death and resurrection. is the spiritual bondage that we've been placed in by that sin that we talked about last, uh, last week. But then on the second aspect is this eschatological, which uh, if you've been through, you've probably heard Tara say that word, which means the end of time, the, the study of the end of things. And so it's this eschatological deliverance and resurrection of God's people and the whole earth uh, at the end of time. Uh, one of the words that's used can also mean to buy, which is where we get uh, the similar idea from the Old Testament, um, to purchase, to, um, to, to take on. But then if you look at kind of this full etymo etymo ooh, etymological force, um, I said it. In my sermon, I said Dostoevsky like four times, so um, it's just a tough, it's a tough morning. Um, oh no, now I have to say another theologian. John Chrysostom. <laughs> Use that phrase, um, and he said it's not just to buy, but it's to buy away from. Um, so you see the difference. It's not just to purchase, but it's to purchase away from. So it's this drawing out from the sin that we put ourselves in. It's this drawing away from uh, this thing that formerly owns us. Um, to put it another way is to buy out and never to return. Um, so it's, it, is, it is God has 
claimed us through redemption and has purchased us uh, and never to be returned. Um, Redemption kind of works its way out in a few different ways. Um, In Colossians, uh, it, it talks about how Jesus has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his, or sorry, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Uh, so again, here we have this transference. Again, it's almost in this monetary language helping us to understand of we're being transferred from where one place in which we were to this new place in which we are. Uh, to draw it back to the sin that we talked about last, last week. You know, in the reformed idea, we've been so damaged, we can, we can move, we can still do some good things, we still have our reason, but sin has damaged us to the point where we never can make our own way to God. God has to be the one to reach out. And so that reaching out, that drawing from, that drawing from this uh, kingdom of sin and evil into the kingdom of God, that is the act of redemption and the act of salvation. Uh, Paul uses the term redemption synonymously in Galatians uh, as adoption. Um, And so here we have the more familial aspect of it. It's not just this transactional thing. It's not all about money, guys. But it's also about family, that we have been taken from uh, the the family of sin, is what he calls it, the family of flesh. uh, And we've been adopted into the family of God. Again, it's it's this movement from one space to another. And then Paul uh, has this, again, here's the second part, the eschatological redemption. Uh, First in creation, that creation uh, has also suffered from the fall, that it's also in bondage and decay. But the liberation of redemption uh, that takes place in resurrection in the end times, um, this full redemption means that God delivers not just us, but also the world from its moral decay, uh, that God is drawing us to something new, to something better. Um, another, and then, sorry, um, so that kind of wraps up the New Testament, and then as we uh, move to how we've taken, and that's obviously not, that's a, that's a survey of redemption in Scripture. There's obviously a lot more that we could uh, look at, uh, but that's kind of an overview Um, And so now we're going to look at kind of how we've taken those aspects uh, and how we, through our study of Scripture, which is the primary force of our revelation of God, and then also our understanding of Jesus Christ and our own experience, have now formed this idea of of what is redemption in our lives? What does redemption look like in the Reformed tradition? Reformed theology insists that God will keep God's promise to redeem all of creation, that this is the central tenet in which all others are built, Uh, that in God's governing of things, in God's sovereignty, that in the event of Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, that it is all in the act of redeeming creation. Um, Bruce McCormick, who was was a professor of mine at Princeton, uh, who uh, was kind of the Bart, leading Bart scholar in the world right now, uh, he says this uh, in his reading of it, the world as it exists now has no independent value. Uh, precisely, it's the world known in faith. The purpose of this world is to provide a theater of God's redemptive purposes. 
the world exists, he would say, for the sake of redemption, for the sake of the coming world into peace, uh, into shalom, into completeness, uh, that this is what the world is here for. Um, if we look at our uh, book of confessions, which again serve as uh, a help to us in understanding uh, God and scripture and the world, our, our confession of 1967 says, God already, God's reign is present as a ferment in the world stirring hope in people and preparing the world to receive its ultimate judgment and redemption. Again, that's kind of the eschatological, this thing that we're looking forward, that there is redeeming happening now in each, every one of our individual lives, and redemption will reach a complete stage, that redemption will be made whole uh, in the end. Um, Redemption, according to confessions, includes the forgiveness of sins, the intercession of Christ on our behalf, uh, the knowledge of the mysteries of salvation, and the working of the Spirit. All of these help in our understanding of what being a believer who is redeemed and obeying and what we are overcoming uh, by the power and wisdom and mystery. Jürgen Moltmann, who is a German theologian uh, and an absolute uh, favorite of mine, He's a reformed theologian uh, who also dabbles in some other stuff. Um, and he really looks at that second idea, that second idea of redemption. Uh, his, his big books are The Theology of Hope um, and The Crucified God. And in The Theology of Hope, what he says is, you know, Christian, we have this issue of what, we have this issue of the future. You know, we don't know what it means. We don't know what it looks like. Um, but he says we also have a glimpse. We have the glimpse in the person of Jesus Christ. We have a glimpse and understanding the redemption of God. And so what we do is we look forward to that full redemption, that full coming of the kingdom of God. And that stirs in us an unrest that moves us forward. Um, in the resurrection and redemption, we have guarantee. Uh, he says hope is not fickle. Uh, it's not something that we might hope to be fulfilled, but hope is resurrection. It's a guarantee of what is to come in the final redemption. He says eschatology uh, should not be a loosely attached appendix, uh, appendix uh, but from the first to last, Christianity is eschatology. It's the hope of redemption that, that transforms the present. So because we have this knowledge of the full redemption of God, we can participate in the redeeming of the world now. Uh, obviously, we are participating and we ourselves are not going to draw us to that full redemption, to that full kingdom of God. We've been working at it for 2,000 years and we have not done a great job. Um, but it is something that as Christians that we continue to move forward towards. It's something that we continue to move at. Um, and so uh, that's, that's how uh, Jürgen Moltmann looks at the eschatology and, and the full redemption. Um, Cynthia Rigby, which I know some of you have, have read in here, um, she says the redeeming of sin enacted here on earth is not a fire insurance with a hope of escaping punishment, but rather it is God's work of making it possible for people 
to be the good creatures God has made us to be, to be in fellowship with God and with one another, and a constant furthering and deepening relationship. So it's that act of redeeming, the act of giving grace and drawing us into that new creation. It wouldn't be a Reformed class without mentioning John Calvin. Um, John Calvin says that redemption is ultimately found in the character of Jesus Christ, who is the salvation for all the lost humanity. Um, The redemption was revealed first in the law and the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, and then it was revealed anew in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ, as Redeemer, serves as the mediator for humanity. Again, uh, you know, Calvin was a lawyer, so he's going to use law terms to help us understand uh, Jesus. Um, And so again, this idea of redemption is something that we're moving with, we're moving towards, we're moving at. Um, It is something that we are participating in now, but we have not fully realized. It is the drawing out from one thing to another, uh, from the sin of our past lives to the new life that we exist in now. Redemption is the heart of Christianity. And redemption, uh, you know, when we think about it, redemption is the work of God. Uh, Redemption, uh, redeeming, is the work of God unto us. Um, So often I think that, uh, even though we wouldn't use this language, but we're often trying to redeem ourselves. But just as uh, in the Old Testament, you can't redeem yourself. You need your closest of kin to come in and provide that rescue, to provide uh, that monetary thing that you cannot provide. So we, in the damage of our sin, and the damage of where we exist in the world, we cannot redeem ourselves. And so Jesus Christ has come into the world and begun that act of redemption, of drawing us into the kingdom of God, uh, that we continue to work towards and to hope for. Uh, and it's, you know, it's difficult. I was, I was really struggling with this because to talk about redemption is really to talk about the Christian story. And so I was like, Brett, keep it focused in on redemption. But I'm like, well, I got to talk about hope. I got to talk about grace. I got to talk about mercy. Like all of these things are wrapped into this uh, thing that we call redemption because it is the central tenet of Reformed faith that we have been redeemed through the, through the grace of God uh, into something new. Um, so that is your overview of redemption. Does anybody have uh, any questions on redemption or sin? Yeah, Jerry. Uh, Jerry always has like really hard questions. <laughs> Jerry's question, uh, true to form, um, he said, uh, for those who couldn't hear, that he, he asked, you know, I used words like all and complete uh, in my talking about redemption. Uh, does that mean salvation includes everyone? I really thought Tara talked about this, but here I go. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> That's my out. Uh, you should, you should, you should wait and ask Tara that one. In my reading of Scripture, uh, in my understanding of God's grace and God's redemption, um, I read about an irresistible grace and an irresistible redemption. Um, I do not know exactly what that means in the fullness of time. But I do read in Revelation that every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. Um, this is, this is to, to talk about the, uh, the, the, the um, to talk about um, specifically universal salvation. And I also want to talk, I do want to distinguish something. There is universalism, which is that all roads lead to one mountaintop. <laughs> And there is Christian universalism that it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that all are saved. And those are very different things um, that I think need to be distinguished in our language. Um, but what I read in scripture uh, is that there is this irresistible redemption. That being said, I do uh, see evil in the world and I don't know how that's reconciled. Uh, I put it, I'll put it this way, Jerry. I am hopeful uh, that the redemption of Christ will include everyone. Can I say that for a fact? Absolutely not. I don't know. Um, but from what I read, that I am hopeful of that. But I'm going to trust that God, through God's perfect justice and ultimate mercy, that God's going to work it out. Um, there, is, there is a, um, I think it's a Bart quote that said, you know, um, hope that everyone is going to heaven uh, and preach like everyone's not. Um, and so I think that, there, that in our lives that that is something that we hope for uh, in our reading of scripture. And I don't think it's unreasonable hope based on who God is. Um, can we say with absolute certainty? I don't think so. Um, I don't think we can look at the cosmic judgment and, and make a definitive decision because Scripture is pretty uh, nuanced. It's pretty unclear. It's pretty, uh, it, it actually says very little. Um, and, 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 it, and it's in conversation with itself. It's disagreeing. Um, so I hope that's an unsatisfying answer for you, Jerry. Um, <laughs> that the, uh, the ultimate answer is, I don't know. Uh, but... Yeah, it, it would, it's, it's difficult for me to, uh, again, and this is based in my reading of scripture, my understanding of God, it's difficult for me to picture a God who, in God's glory, stands before someone and they confess and they admit to their sins and they admit that they are broken uh, and God says, too bad. Um, uh, but... I don't know. Um, and, I, and I have to believe that if God does, that God is doing it uh, with perfect justice and perfect mercy in a way that I don't understand. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's difficult because I think, that, I think that to say, you know, all people are saved, that it creates a pass, uh, passivity in this world 
And I, I do absolutely believe that to be in a relationship with God is the best way to go through this world. Uh, to, believe, to be in a relationship with a God who uh, loves you intimately, the creator of the universe, who knows you truly and calls you to something more is the best way to live. And so I want to tell everyone about that. I don't want it to be like, well, you know, we get so wrapped up in salvation um, and, and the end times and things like that. Uh, and I think that I, I try to stick to, to Moltman's view of it, of that, you know, we use that to spur us forward in this life. Uh, we use the glimpse of full redemption, the glimpse of glory to stir us to work, do the work now, to grow in our relationships now with one another and with God. Is that helpful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any other any other questions? Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, Joanne, and then Barbara. No, Joanne first. <laughs> uh-huh. He says, uh, so that was Bruce McCormick, and she asked for those on Zoom, that uh, the world was created for redemption. Uh, he says that it, he doesn't say it was created for redemption, he says it exists for redemption. So in its current state, this was in his, uh, a lecture he had on, um, uh, essentially on, on, on natural theology of what do we do with the world that we're in now. Uh, in the current state that we're in, uh, the world exists purely for God's redemptive act, that it's a theater for that. Um, you can take that or leave that. <laughs> um, what, what, do you, what, what do you like or not like about that, Joan? It's food for thought. <laughs> um, because we can clearly see the brokenness in the world, and we can see the ways the world is being redeemed. Um, uh, and so when we see the world being redeemed, we can, ha- we can either say, you know, oh, that was a nice coincidence, or we can say God's working to make this new. Um, and so I think it helps to reframe how we view uh, good things in the world. Barbara. I was going to say one of the things that I struggle with as a Christian is mm. hoping that everyone will be redeemed. Yeah. Because when you look around and see such people, you think, and I know that's wrong, but to, you know, to hear at church, when you look at people, you have to look at them as God's creation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's difficult. Yeah. 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 That's what you find hoping. That's what you find hoping. No, thank you, Barbara. That's. I mean, I think that's a very honest answer. I think. Uh, sorry for those on Zoom. Barbara said she has difficulty, or she cannot hope that every person is redeemed when she sees the evil things that have done, been done in this world by evil people. Uh, and I think if all of us are being honest, all of us would agree with you, Barbara, um, that we do want uh, justice in the world. Well, we want justice for other people. We don't want justice for us. Um, but, but especially, you know, um, I don't think the redemption of God uh, comes without difficulty. I don't think it comes without pain. Um, in the Old Testament, we have the Israelite people who are eventually redeemed and brought back from exile, but they go through 80 years of exile. We have the people who are eventually redeemed from slavery, but they've been in slavery for 400 years. 
that there is uh, pain and purification and sanctification that in my life, every time I've gone through those things, it has not been pleasant. Um, and I think that for some, uh, it will be incredibly less pleasant than others. It will be incredibly more difficult. I don't think that, uh, Barbara, I don't think that makes you uh, a bad Christian uh, or that you're not living the Christian life well uh, because you're not at that point. Because again, I'm not sure any of us are. Um, again, this is, that's, when I say, you know, I hope that all people are redeemed, I hope that God's able to work that out because I'm not. Uh, I'm not able to get there on my own. Um, because yeah, we there to to see the images that we have seen in Ukraine uh, because of one man's pride uh, is is a difficult thing to think. I hope that person has salvation with God and a relationship with God. Uh, yeah, that they'll they'll that they'll have um, that they'll that they'll be cleansed of their sins. Um, I again, I'm with you. I'm not there. Uh, but on the flip side, what would that say about our God, that God could make that person new, um, is, is a hope that I have that God can do that because I'm, I'm not there. Does that help at all, or does that make things worse? <laughs> it, it makes life difficult. It makes life difficult. Yep, yeah, that's true. Ain't that true? I just don't want to get to heaven and look and I think, uh, for those on Zoom who heard uh, uh, Sue mention last week that someone said, I don't want to get to heaven and look over and see Putin standing there. But again, this, is a, this, is, this, is, this can be the danger of the Christian life, right? Because uh, we have this eschatological hope and this eternal hope that we can get so wrapped up uh, and, and what we cannot figure out <laughs> and what we cannot know uh, that we spend all of our time arguing and thinking about it instead of uh, caring for the people who are being oppressed by those people in power that are facing evil uh, in the world, who are facing uh, hardships. And so, uh, not that we don't talk about it, because I think it does bring us immense hope, uh, but it can't be the singular thing that we focus on, this uh, cosmic, you know, um, gavel because then it turns in redemption turns into the fire insurance right uh, just make sure you make sure you got your card uh and, and you're good to go um uh, but but we but redemption is so much more than just insurance uh, redemption is new life uh, redemption uh, is the grace of god redemption it's here now uh, but it's not yet fully realized any i mean let me ask on zoom does anybody on zoom have any questions uh I heard I was the I heard last year or, or last week that I was the only one who give Zoom people a chance to talk. So you're welcome. Does any of you guys have does anyone have anything to say on Zoom or questions? Four, three, two, one. Okay. Um, that's okay. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts or questions uh, from those in the room? Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about redemption, it's difficult to intellectually distinguish that from the reward for redemption. Hmm. And if we ask the question, uh, can everybody or will everybody or could everybody 
be redeemed. Mm -hmm. I think we have to uh, distinguish that from the question, is everybody going to heaven? There's a difference between redemption and reward. Redemption is the process from which you move from a sinful state to a non-sinful state. Mm -hmm. And so can everybody be redeemed? Certainly, everybody mm -hmm. could be redeemed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is possible for people who are awfully bad to repent. Mm -hmm. It's unlikely for Putin. But it, there's a, my point is there's a difference between can everybody be redeemed and is everybody going to heaven? Mm -hmm. Those are two totally different questions. Mm -hmm. And we tend to muddle those two things together. Yeah. So, so the answer for me is, mm -hmm. yes, it's possible mm -hmm. everybody can be redeemed. Mm -hmm. But that's a different question from is everybody going to heaven. Mm -hmm. But then you get into what the heck is heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we want anybody to burn eternally? Mm -hmm. uh, we sort of don't want to see Putin, Putin in the next pew in heaven, <laughs> but do we want Putin or somebody that's not quite that bad to burn forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's uh, for those who couldn't hear on Zoom, uh, Deg was distinguishing the difference between uh, can everyone be redeemed and does everyone go to heaven? Uh, and and uh, he says he doesn't think those are the same thing, that it can, that people can be uh, redeemed, um, that, that there's possibility everyone's redeemed and yet that you won't see everyone in heaven. Is that a fair summary, Doug, for our Zoom people? So I want to be careful with that, with that, with that word, Doug, because to say reward is to say heaven is a carrot on a stick, right? Um, to 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 say heaven is a reward is is to say that we we're being rewarded for something we've done, and that cancels out grace, in my opinion. Yeah, um, result would be a yeah. Because it is, it is a result of God's grace. Um, and so I, I do want to distinguish between those two words. Um, because, yeah. Um, and Doug agrees with me. Write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts or questions? Well, oh, here we go. Oh, come on, Jerry. <laughs> For those on Zoom, Jerry said there is a, uh, you know, if you believe in universal salvation, then there is the danger of, uh, you know, not committing to doing the work of, of that, that Christ has called us to do because we're like, oh, I'll do that later. Um, and in which case, I would, I would absolutely agree and say that's terribly sad. Uh, that, 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 is a, that if, if you, 
if you're in that you know, mindset, I'm not sure you've experienced the grace of God. Um, I'm not sure that you've experienced uh, what grace means and the love of God means in your life because it is our response to that grace that stirs us to live into something new, that stirs us to live to something more, that stirs us to care uh, for the community uh, and for the world that God has created. All right, y'all. Thank you all. Um, It's been a pleasure being with you. Uh, All right.